Hey, super awesome listeners. Welcome back to part two of Jen's interview with authors Jay Watson and Kyle Wilshire. We rejoined them right when Kyle's about to give his first pick. Now we've uh, we've gotten a little peek, a little glimpse into uh, Jay's musical inspiration. So now we're gonna we're gonna pop over to Kyle here and tell us about your first pick. What was the first song that you chose um, for the show today? Well, let me say this. You know, again, I've already kind of made reference to how Jay and I are, are different, I, and, and we couldn't be more different in our musical taste. Like Jay is always on the leading edge of things. He's trying to discover new groups. You know, and I'm not painting myself in the best light here on this on this podcast today, but uh, but man, I'm kind of prone to hanging out on the porch and saying, "Get off my lawn!" You know, like I'm like, you know, I'm like, if it's not 20 years old, it's probably not any good. You know, like that's kind of my my take on things. So you'll see that in the songs that I have selected. Um, but the the first song that I chose uh, is is "Sunday Bloody Sunday" by U2, and I chose specifically the live version uh, from uh, the Under a Blood Red Sky album, because that is the very first, as far as I can remember, and I've got an elephant memory, I can remember stuff. I I remember the very first time I ever heard U2, and it was that song. I was sitting in my, my best friend's room. We were playing Nintendo together in the, in the 80s. And from his brother's room, and his brother was like 15. We were 10. He was 15. He was so cool. You know, like he was the coolest guy from his room. I hear this sound and I just, it was like, you know, it was like uh, I was, I was just drawn to it. And so moth to flame, you know, so I start wandering down to his room and I go in there and I'm listening and I hear the roar of this crowd. And I hear this voice, this Irish voice say, there's been a lot of talk about this next song. Maybe, maybe too much talk. This song is not a rebel song. This song is Sunday, bloody Sunday. And it goes into that drum beat, you know? And at that point in my life, I was a drummer. And so I'm like, what am I, what am I listening? I'm, I'm as ready to march to war. You know, I didn't even know what it's yeah. about. You know, it just, and it just was like, somebody took a syringe full of U2 and just shot it into my veins. And from then on, you know, I mean, that was, that was my first introduction, my real kind of like, this is it. Like I, I pledge my, my musical allegiance to U2 for the rest of my life. You know, that came a little <laughs> bit later. But like that introduction, the memory of that, hearing that song, that those drums, that guitar, Bono's voice, everything about it, the roar of the crowd, like it just sucked me in. So yeah, my first song today is is Sunday Bloody Sunday by YouTube. Yeah, it's such a good song. And I love the War album that it originally appeared on and this live version. And it was funny. I was like, I got to know why this version, like why this specific version of the song. But what I will tell you is even though they're very similar, you don't get like, you know, sometimes in a live version, you'll get like a big like instrumental break or, you know, something like that. You don't get that necessarily in this. But what I love is that whether it's the way he's um, egging on the crowd or, you know, there's a couple of times in the song, even in the the version that's on war where he says like, let's go, you know, like yeah. he's singing and calls it out. I feel like in this live version from Under the Blood Red Sky, you can hear Bono performing, right? Yeah. Like you get a sense of like how electric he is as a performer. And if you've never seen U2 live, that's one of those bands like you've got to go. Yeah. Like before yeah. you can't, that's you right. have to go and see <laughs> U2 live. Like there is a, a very 
like a strange magic that Bono brings that I love every time. And the edge too. I mean, the whole band yeah. is great. They've been playing together for so long now that they're, you know, it's, it's just a, a wonder to watch them all together. But um, I do love that in this version, you really can hear what a performer Bono is and how, just how he's got the crowd in the palm of his hand, the entire, you know, almost six minutes that this song yeah. is playing. Like, it's just, it's brilliant to me. And then I've always loved to, you know, this is, this is one of my favorite U2 songs. I'm also a fan. And although, um, I, I tend to love the oft hated Octune baby album. Um, no, that's number one. That is number one. Thank you. Thank you, Kyle. I feel like I get a lot of slack from you two fans about that one, but it's my favorite also. Um, but I love that this, you know, this song originally came out on the War album in 1983. And there's a line in it that says, and it's true we are immune when fact is fiction and TV reality. Like that was 40 years ago yeah. and is still maybe the most true line ever. Yeah. And a song again, like, wow, that's mind blowing to me that they captured that so many years ago and it still rings true. He, he, so many times you read through his lyrics has, has, you know, the, people always say the Simpsons prophesy things, you know, like he prophesied things, you know, he invented reality TV with that lyric. I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know if anyone right. attributed it to Bono, but they should, you know, cause he, he <laughs> created it when he, when he said that line, you know, but there's so many other times when his lyrics have been sort of like, whoa, how did he, how did he know that was happening? You know, <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, I mean that, that song is, U2 is always fond of like the self-deprecating kind of thing. And they always say, you know, when they started, they couldn't play anyone else's songs. So they had to write, they had to write their own. That's why they, you know, they got so huge. And it was the live performance that really put them over the edge that, that, you know, they're one of the few bands. That, I heard that the know, edge. I heard that. Go ahead. Oh yeah, that wasn't intentional. That yeah, was it accidental. Was. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, they're they're one of the few bands who you know, when you when you go hear them live, maybe this isn't true for for a lot of bands, but I know a lot of people would prefer to hear them live than to hear the the studio recordings, to hear the albums. You know, a lot of people are like, I'd much rather hear the live version than the studio version. You know, and even when they do themes and variations, Sunday Bloody Sunday is a great a great example of that. The Pop Mart Tour '97, Edge came out and played it by himself on the stage, you know, on the B stage, just him and the guitar, the, the big drum, you know, the big drum sound never happened, you know, and it was sort of just this, this movement in that, in that show. And then they've done it in other ways, you know, in the Innocence yeah. tour in 2014, you know, he, he, Larry came out with like a marching snare, you know, and played, it was just, just all the different ways that they have, you know, used that song and every way they've done it, it's always good because <laughs> it's such a it great is. song. It is. And they're, and again, like they are such great performers and, and that sort of, again, leads me, leads me back to a question about the book here is I'm curious, you know, again, you guys pull in so many of the dead rock stars from all genres. I don't want people to think, you know, just that it's just some of the mainstream people that you'd think of. Like you guys pull in so many, like I was hard pressed to think of somebody that you forgot even. Um, and <laughs> oh, so oh, I don't worry. People have let us know. They've let us know. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, but I was curious, like when you're coming up with dialogue, did you guys watch like old performances or old interview footage? Or did you really just rely on gut? Like, this is how I think, you know, Jimi Hendrix would carry on a conversation now or, or back in, you know, at late, late 1990s. Um, or did you just like, how much did you rely on 
your own imagination of what these would be like versus like real live footage and interviews of these these rock stars these legends yeah so we um we we did we did do research and i've kind of used this analogy a lot but i mean we knew that it's impossible because these are all real people you know real lives real families real stories you know so there's absolutely no way we could hit an absolute bullseye you know oh we completely, perfectly, totally embodied them, but we wanted to hit the target. You know, we wanted to be near. So um, we kind of both took different routes, routes and, and Jay can talk about, you know, he read a lot of biographies. Jay took in a lot of information about a lot of these folks. I was more on the, I'm going to listen to YouTube interviews and try mm-hmm. to get a feel for, you know, their speech pattern. And that was one of the things that, you know, in the editorial process, you know, someone's like, you know, hey, you need to differentiate a little bit so we can know who's 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 speaking. And that's when we really dove into those interviews and listened to those interviews and thought, man, how does that person talk? You know, oh, that he, he talks a lot more like philosophical or or he's he's always everything. He, every time he talks, it's short clipped sentences. It's not, you know, long soliloquies, you know, those sort of things. So we, yeah. we try to pick up on those little things just to hit that target, maybe not a bullseye, but hit the target of this is pretty close to a similarity of who they were, you know, Jay, I don't know if you, what you want to add to that. Yeah. I would also say that, um, we, for all of these people essentially have a caricature of them, like in the mm-hmm. real, like in our lives and the experience that we have of them, we don't really know exactly what they were like. We just know what we were presented and for some of these folks that were older, um, where we don't quite have as much technology, there is a lot of books written. There's a lot of history written about them. And you're able to kind of understand a personality profile quite a bit. In fact, I don't know if you've ever taken a Myers-Briggs test, but like in those, uh, you know, I think Elvis was a ENFP or something like that in Myers-Briggs. Like right. they, they, they make these determinations based on personality. Um, and so we, we, we spent a lot of trying, time trying to understand the caricature. And then one of our favorite things that we got to do was many of these people died in very sad situations and we were able to give them new life. We were able to give them a second chance. And so what would they be like with a different perspective on life for them? uh, The majority of them, I don't know if they would say it this way, but they were, they lived a life where the world was very good to them. Uh, They used their talents and the world celebrated them. And so they enjoyed the goodness of the world in some ways. And and some of them, maybe a little too much, they enjoyed it. But um, we gave them a chance to maybe give back to that world by faking their deaths, by having a new start, by, you know, maybe in some very light aspect, and you can attest to this, but in some aspects, we talk a little bit about what it's like to do rehab and and, and live in that kind of community. what would they be like then? What would they be like that? Then then plus 20 years or plus five years, or what would be like if they lived in community with these people and actually, you know, had people that protected them and cared about them and helped about their emotional health as well. What would they be like? And so some of these people were very different. Some of these people were the best versions of who they were. And then some of them we just chose because we thought it was funny. And, and we did some of that too. That's good. And, and you know what I was, there was never a point where I was like, oh, I don't think Elvis would say that. Do you know what I mean? Because it wasn't, this isn't the Buddy Holly story. This isn't, you know, Boz Luhrmann's Elvis. Like it's, you're, you're taken into a completely, you know, fictitious realm from jump, you know, from the very beginning of the book. And so I was just happy to be interacting with these people in a modern day sense. And, and like, yes, seeing them in, um, this secret agent kind 
kind of role. And again, like I won't spoiler alert anything, but <laughs> well, you know, is- I, I am curious. Like you said that you were a surprise. Like it's okay. You can give one spoiler or two. Like it's okay. Like what were some of your big surprises? What were you happy to see people showing up? You talked about that earlier. Um, well, I was I was really happy to see um, some of the female artists show up. I was happy to see. Um, I, I was most happy. Like I found myself as I'm turning pages and new characters are getting introduced to learn sort of what their special skill was. <laughs> right? Like that was fun. Like one that I'll give away is um, Jimi Hendrix is the wheel man. He's the driver, right? Like he's the he's the T, and all the T, all the agents are all trained up in everything, really. But some have special skill sets. Um, you know, Buddy Holly was kind of the surveillance guy. You know, like, um, <laughs> and I love that because you think of like it, you think of Buddy Holly, and he's sort of this like kind of nerdy like presence. You know, that would be really easy to kind of infiltrate into, um, you know, sneaking around a little bit and kind of blending in. And I also love too that these stars can kind of walk around in broad daylight with no problem at all because people are like, oh, they're dead. Like, yeah, this guy looks like Elvis, but Elvis is dead, so it doesn't matter. Yet the main character is kind of a regular guy and his death presents a little bit more of a challenging situation yeah. because like if somebody saw him on the street that's different than if you see somebody who who the whole world has accepted is dead, you know? So I thought that was a really cool um, juxtaposition too. And then of course, just all the song references and all the movie lines that pop in for a pop culture nerd like me, it's just a treasure trove on every page, really. Like you, you get something different every single time, you know, every time I turn to page. And like I said, listeners all post um, a link to the playlist that accompanies the book as well. But there were some gems in there that I hadn't thought about forever. I think I said to you guys in an email, you guys call out a song called Omaha by Counting Crows. And that August and Everything After album was on repeat when I was in college. Like I could have sang it. I probably still can sing it from beginning to end, like loved it. And so it was super fun to see a song like that pop up. In addition to like, the usual suspects that you think, oh, I'm probably going to get these songs because these, you know, these rock stars are part of part of the DRS. So um, I think that's a good segue into our very last pick here. So, Kyle, you're going to have to take us home with um, your second pick, which um, which will be very illuminating in terms of one of the uh, the main characters of the book here. Sure. My last pick is That'll Be the Day by Buddy Holly. Um Prior to writing this book, uh, I, I, I knew who Buddy Holly was, familiar with his with his tunes. Um, you know, uh, great great '80s show. You know, showing my age here, uh, Quantum Leap. There was a, an episode where where um, Sam, who was the guy who leaped into into people's lives, leaps into the life of of someone in the orbit of Buddy Holly, and he spends the whole episode, you know, trying to figure out why am I here? What am I here to fix? Cause he would go back and change things from the past to make the future better. Yeah. And, uh, at the very end of the episode, it was genius. At the very end of the episode, uh, there's a guy, they call him buddy. And he's sitting on the porch and he's trying to sing a song. And he's like, he's going piggy suey, piggy suey. And he's like, buddy, have you ever thought about Peggy Sue? And he's like, Peggy Sue, Peggy Sue. And all of a sudden he leaps. That's all he had to do was get him to sing the lyric Peggy Sue. And that got him to his, and it was so genius. And so that was kind of the extent of my, you know, uh, interaction with, with Buddy Holly till we started, you know, we started, uh, uh, you know, writing this book and what was, what we found about Buddy Holly and found so interesting 
is the reverence that everybody holds him in. All the you know, the guys that came after the next generation of rock and roll, you know, the Beatles, you know, Elvis and he were, were kind of contemporaries. But just when you hear them talk about Buddy Holly, like just the the reverence they have for him. And so we kind of wanted to bring that into the book in the way they, that, that everyone just universally loved him. He was, you know, just a beloved uh, figure. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just kind of fun to, to imagine, you know, what that dude would be like, you know, if he faked his death and he's one of those guys, you know, so many of these, uh, these rock stars, they died young. Some of them that are in our book died later on in life. And we got to yeah. see them change and evolve over time. Um, you know, we got to see Fat Elvis, which some say that was when he was at his most genius. You know, <laughs> he's sweating on the piano playing, you know, uh, Unchained Melody. But but others others say no, it was when he was young and handsome. That's, you know, so some of these like Buddy Holly, they're like encased in amber. You know, we never got yeah. to see Buddy Holly have to suffer through the disco era. Like what what would his disco album have been like? You know, we never got to see Co- Kurt Cobain. You know, like what what would he be doing now? Would he be doing, you know acoustic dance or what do you mean doing dance music what what would he be doing like who knows because tragically they they left us too soon you know and so i can uh, tell you one thing i'm i'm quite confident that uh elvis presley in 1999 would have written live in la vida loca that would have happened if if he hadn't written it it'd been like ricky martin and elvis presley wrote this song and he'd be getting a big cut of the of the mix (laughs) that was definitely right up his alley for sure for sure yeah so yeah, that that'll be the day. And also, there's the you know, it's it's the it's the kind of creepy prophetic piece yeah. of the song when yeah. he talks about that'll be the day that I die. Yeah, yeah. And you know, sure enough, not long after that, he and Richie Valens and Big Bopper and the, the pilot they all died in a plane crash. Um, yeah. Which again took took them took them far too far too soon. Um, so yeah, that's just sort of the 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 element of that song that kind of the the, the man who wrote it and sort of the the interesting element of him speaking of his death in this song, which is a love song. It's kind of a creepy love song. If you read the, read the lyrics, you know, (laughs) but, but but it's just kind of fun how it all ties into our, our story of of the dead rock stars. Yeah, it's true. And I was, Buddy Holly was one, I was super happy. Like you, you meet him immediately upon opening the first pages of the book. So we're not giving anything away here that Buddy (laughs) Holly is kind of a prominent character. But for me, when I was a kid, my grandparents lived in Lubbock, Texas, and my dad uh, went to high school there, went to Texas Tech. And so Buddy Holly has been ever present in my life. So Um, you like that first page line about us mentioning Lubbock, huh? I sure did. I sure did. And, and again, I love, you know, we, anytime you're in Lubbock, he's still, if you go there today, there's still, you know, monuments and, and effigies to Buddy Holly everywhere. Um, and I loved kind of, again, getting to revisit him, not as the 1950s star that is sort of like enshrined in our mind, but, um, as a person that is, you know, functioning in the late, 1990s. Um, it was really fun to sort of see um, him and his friends, really, because that's how you get to know him throughout the book, too, is, is how his friends are, are thinking of him. And um, it was just really fun. And I think, I don't know if, if it was because I have such a deep connection to Buddy Holly that I was so immediately sucked in. But like I said, even if you're not connected to Buddy Holly or Elvis, there are so many 
rock stars that you guys pull from the grave for the book, um, that I think there really is something for everybody in here. And that leads me to sort of my final question to round us out is I have to know, like I said, we, we talked a little bit before we recorded about, um, you know, Ready Player One, Ernest Klein's book and how rich that was with pop culture reference. I think yours is even more packed than that book, honestly. Wow, and thank you. Um, I wonder how you guys did that. How did you narrow it down? Did you each get like a list of five rock stars that you absolutely had to have in there? Did you agree like from the offset? How did it start? How did, how did you narrow down? What was the framework that you built this around that allowed you to include all of these references? Well, I think the, the, the true na- the true answer to the question is two heads are better than one. Uh, we both have a, a rich background of, of interests, of, of, you know, pop culture, um, you know, knowledge and love. And so, you know, we just sort of just both just went for it, you know, and, and we didn't really hold much back. We, we, we weren't at the point of like, well, maybe that's a little too much. Maybe there's a time or two when we try to maybe scale it back just a little bit. I don't know that anyone would ever remember that, but some of the things we went, some of the things we went for anyways, you know. Uh, about a, a quarter of the way through the book, we mentioned the old '90s TV show Wings. Does anyone remember Wings? Nobody <laughs> yes. remembers Wings. They should. But I it's remember in there. Wings. They should. Yes, <laughs> so good. That's a cast, man. That's a that's a cast. Uh, it was. My that mom was loved that cast. show too. My mom. I remember sitting around watching Wings with my mom. Yeah, that's great. Well, and all the you know, like the Dumb and Dumber references too. Like I hadn't thought about Dumb and Dumber in a long time, and like that pops up. Um, so yeah, there are so many, and and that's the one thing that all of us like pop culture dorks have in common, right? Like we can talk about it forever. Like if you're into pop culture and it's something that you love, you can sit down with another person and literally talk for hours about one movie, one scene, one song, you know, like they're all. And so I think that that's why for me, I was like, there's so much here. How did they ever decide, well, you know, the, the, the genre with which this story is, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a ensemble, uh, secret agent, action buddy kind of movie that's a book. I mean, we didn't really know what we were doing. We certainly didn't know how to write a movie, so we wrote a book. And uh, we did the best we could with that. But with that, there's certain pieces that are, who's the leader? Who's the weapons expert? Who's the, you know, if you're thinking about the A-team or whatever, you know, you've got these roles yeah. that you kind of play. And then we started to get into it. We're like, okay, what would they be like? What are their personalities like? Jimi Hendrix in particular is really fascinating because the image and the caricature we have of him looking back who didn't live there it was like the coolest dude ever and he was just you know lighting things on fire and he was just you know raw rock um yeah but when you listen to him talk he was eloquent and he was intelligent yeah. and uh, he was suave and so we were able to kind of take that and go okay what would he be like you know he probably had a, a passion for if he was so good and skilled as an engineer with a guitar i bet he could be great with vehicles you know, uh, yeah. Jim Morrison, uh, to give a little spoiler away, mm-hmm. Kyle likes to talk about this. Uh, Jim Morrison for us, we really love the ideas of thinking about these characters as movie stars that had played them previously. And so Val Kilmer was a significant inspiration yeah. from his movie that came out in the late eighties, early nineties. Kyle could probably tell you exactly when it came out. Uh, <laughs> 91, 91. Uh, yes. And, uh, you know, he, that was such a, a revelatory role for him that it kind of, when you think about Jim Morrison, you think about Val Kilmer. And so in our story, because of Val's age and where he's at, Jimmy Morrison had taken a vow of silence. 
Uh, and that's because in our dream world, it'd be like, why couldn't Val play Jimi Hendrix? I mean, why couldn't Val play Jim Morrison? And so we did things like that yeah. because we thought they were fun for us. They were interesting. Yeah, well, our protagonist in the story is, is Cole Denton. And, and, you know, you do a little math. He is our age, pretty much. And so the stuff that we were into in 1999 is the stuff that Cole's into <laughs> in 1999. The movies, the music, you know, the... The, the, the quotes, the things like that really is a reflection kind of, of, of our twin, you know, passions and interests. So, you know, we, we, you know, we didn't, I wish we could say that we had these designs and these great grand plans of how we're going to weave stuff in. It was just, you know, a pure, does the story call for this? Is it funny? Does it make sense? You know, well, let's put it in the story. So that's kind of how, and, and just from the, from our backgrounds and, you know, and loves, that's how it all sort of ended up in there together. Uh, to make the story what it is. Uh, I loved it. It worked. It was super rich with references that really like took me back to that time and place and put a smile on my face every time. So thank you both so much for sharing what you're listening to. I thought your book was a ton of fun. And like I said, I was just living for all of the pop culture Easter eggs that pepper every single page. So um, well done there. And it's hard to impress me in the pop culture reference space <laughs> because I uh, I do like to go deep and I felt like, oh, these are uh, worthy worthy opponents here in terms of, uh, in terms of some, uh, some pop culture sparring. I, th I think we need to be uh, at a trivia night one night as long as we're all on the same team. And I think we'd probably be pretty unstoppable. Yeah, we, we'd be taking oh, home the victory for sure. Taking home the double let's as they say. Do it. Let's do taking it. Taking home. <laughs> well, listeners, as I mentioned, the book is a really good time. Um, it's available now on Amazon and it would make a great gift for a music lover on your holiday gift list. So definitely um, look on Amazon for the book, The Dead Rock Stars. Um, it's just, a, it's a quick read. It's, um, I picked it up. I went, when did I get the book guys? Sunday. And I finished it last night. So no Monday, I got it on Monday and finished it in like three or four days. You just don't want to put it down because every page, something new is happening. And there's again, another reference that's just making you smile. So definitely check it out. And as always, please be sure to follow, download, and share this show. And if you love listening, drop us a review on Apple or Spotify. Last but not least, to stay informed on all things Super Awesome Mix and what are you listening to, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Super Awesome Mix. Thanks for listening, and please join me again next week to find your new favorite song. 